0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five
1: dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. My name is Travis Dow, and I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian.com podcast. Today we're going to talk about Albertus Magnus, also known as Albert the Great or Albert of Cologne, and he lived in the 13th century. Um, he is a Catholic saint, which kind of makes it interesting for us to talk about a saint in an alchemist podcast. Um, he's, he's, he's very famous among these kind of circles. Like, um, Well, the reason I think it's interesting is because he's really a scientist, which is where he gets the reputation from.
1: And during this time in the church, uh, it was very dangerous to start ta- start throwing science around uh, when you when you had this this concept that the whole universe revolved um, around the earth. Yeah, and so and so everything was explained into God's creation. The idea of being able to say, as man, how can we explain this through the concept of science or scientific theory, was considered somewhat blasphemous.
0: Yeah, he he did get a reputation for that. This this is the time of like like you said, the the, the sun was revolving around the earth, the whole Aristotelian um, kind of way of thinking. And in particular, you got your knowledge from books. So, so you got everything you knew. If, if you were educated, that, mean, that means you read it somewhere. If you didn't go out and experiment.
1: And I would have to say, if you, if you got it from books, that meant that, A, you were educated or well-to-do, and you were literate. So yeah. that, that really yeah. meant, meant a very uh, select group of people. And that included people re- that were able to read the Bible. Now, for the most part, it was in Lat—it it was, it was Greek and Latin. Uh, mm-hmm. But you had to be educated to read those languages. And so that knowledge even was selected for uh, a given few. And so it made it very difficult for other people to, to gain knowledge. He was known as Dr. Universalis, uh, and, which really kind of goes well with his concept of, of being in the Catholic Church. Catholic in, in itself means universal. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, having that attached to to his name as Doctor, I think was very apropos. Uh, he Do- was a Dominican friar, Doctor of the Universe, Doctor of the Universe, <laughs> Masters of the Universe, not quite, mm. but but really a, a learned man. Uh, as a Dominican friar, he was also Bishop of Cologne, and later on became a saint. Yeah, um, he is the patron, patron saint of natural sciences. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so sa- Saint of Science, Saint, saint of Sciences. Hmm. So um, when people have their, their, you know, gripings with the Catholic Church. They say that it's not a church of science. It's it's a church of of, of thought and feeling and faith and prayer. That's not exactly all true. Mm-hmm. There, there is a lot of science involved sure. involved with yeah. things. It's just at some point, what we consider new science or uh, universality of science. Uh, did not really come into play until later when the church had
0: to really kind of grasp with it. different, yeah, different view of what science was. So
1: the church is evolving, uh, and it had had evolved. It just had to take baby steps to get to that certain point. But Albert the Great really kind of bridged that gap between science and religion. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at him, he was actually honored by the Catholic Church at the time as doctor of the church, one of only 35 recipients of that honor.
0: So that's saying something, yeah.
1: and at the time, if you were to travel in North Italy on the way to, to Venice, you might have heard of a little town called Padua. Mm-hmm. Uh, Padua uh, had a uh, university system that was well renowned. You might know of one of their most learned uh, um, uh, students that come through there, Galileo Galilei. There you go. All right. Yeah. So, so uh, that was a little bit later, of course. But we're talking about the 13th century, mm-hmm. and we're talking about Albert the Great. Albert the Great. Yeah. And where he got his knowledge from?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, he was educated in Padua. He he traveled around, but um, in his early years. So you know, again, he at that time knowledge comes from books. So he studied Aristotle's writings thoroughly. You know, he commented. What made him unique was he commented on almost all of Aristotle's writings. So he 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 didn't pick and choose. He really kind of covered the whole corpus of of literature there. And later, if you studied Aristotle, you probably read Albertus Magnus's kind of commentary on these things. But uh, in any case, so, so that was in Padua. Um, and then at some point, the Virgin Mary told him to enter uh, holy orders. And you, you mentioned he was a Fr- Dominican. 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 Yeah. And, and this is important because um, in order
1: to become a saint that he, he later was be- uh, beautified, uh, to become a saint – uh, and then pass through uh, the process of, of sainthood uh, through the Catholic Church, you have to have at least, if, if I'm not mistaken, two miracles uh, that yeah. are witnessed and documented yeah. and researched by the Catholic Church. And there also has to be some, some connection uh, with, with uh, um, the Holy Trinity or mm-hmm. uh, the Virgil, Virgin Mary. Um, so this this this, this could be, be one of, of them. This could yeah. be one of those issues that that he was able to say that Virgin Mary talked to him to give him the uh, the push he needed yeah. uh, and, to go into the and order.
0: Yeah, and, and that was significant. I mean, at this point in life, he actually, he switched gears pretty drastically. So so he, like I just said, he, he entered the Dominican Order, and um, he. So then he studied theology at Bologna, and after his studies, um, which is is. Quite extensive, but to skip ahead a little bit, he, he taught in Cologne, Regensburg, Freiburg, Strasbourg, Hildesheim, Paris. So I mean, he really kind of made the made the tour there. Um, he received his doctorate, and Thomas Aquinas started to study under him. So you know that's there's a he's also he was also saint sanctified, canonized. We we spoke about him early, the very first you know, show. What's interesting here, because because alchemy at this point. When we talk about 13th century, we're talking about pre-Renaissance. So, what makes him so unique, especially in that time period, is when I say he studied virtually all of Aristotle, that means he actually got some of that those writings from the Muslim world. So, you know, Arab uh, Arabic writings, and before him, Aristotle was certainly known, but to a much lesser extent. This, you know, like I said, this is not the Renaissance. In the Renaissance, everyone would have known. So that's very interesting, that he, he was kind of before his time. In a, in, and then another interesting thing is, so, okay, so he had this, this book knowledge, but where he got his reputation as being an alchemist, and, and this might have not happened till after his death. Like, if you ask him, are you an alchemist, he clearly would have been against that probably, which, again, you know, he's part of the church. What got him his reputation was unlike his contemporaries he went outside the books so he actually looked at nature made observations and he was a strong believer in what we would call scientific sort of experiments you know he he actually experimented in nature which later you know he's kind of closer to earth than than most of his contemporaries so this Earned him a reputation as like an alchemist and sorcerer type, you know. What is this mysterious thing he's doing out in the woods, you know? So. Well, you know,
1: I, I would say he might have been the, the, the front runner to the idea of intelligent design when you when you talk about science and, and religion mm-hmm.
0: being being yeah, lumped together. Sure. I know that's kind of a hot, hot like, topic. Like, in a lot how of did God create the the world? I want to find out how God ticks. Right. Well, you know, when you press
1: when you press the the uh, um, the who's who of science. Uh, when it comes to string theory, when it comes to the creation of Big Bang Theory of, of, of our universe, and is it expanding, is it shrinking, you get down to a fundamental question. How could this all happen? And, mm-hmm. and usually right. it gets to a point of saying, I don't know, and there might be an issue of intelligent design here. Mm-hmm. And, and to say that science can't answer everything, I don't know if it's necessarily a cop-out, but it's one of those things where at the time he was the guy – that must have had said to people that are asking serious questions yeah. are you a heretic and he he said no listen is intelligent nature's intelligent design look at a butterfly look mm-hmm. look at there's, look there's, at the a, mir- seasons. there's a miracle there's there there's a yeah. reason for yeah. everything and god put things in motion and not to get too on the religious track but we are talking about a man of god here oh yeah and and he looked at the idea of saying what can we do to better understanding of nature and science we must be getting closer to god if we can if we can do that Mm-hmm. If we can have that knowledge set. Albert the Great had a very strong legacy. Uh, many people that uh, study a variety of things, from geography to astronomy to astrology, mineralogy, chemistry, zoology, uh, physiology, uh, you know theology, botany. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, he had done so so much good for getting these sciences really kick-started in the, in the European Western, Western world. To, like you said, trap is taking from the Muslim uh, Muslim community uh, and being able to bridge that gap before the rest of the uh, Crusades kind of help bring back more than information. Uh, he was uh, a front runner in this, yeah. so his legacy of, of writing these works down and passing his knowledge on to uh, succeeding generations was was invaluable to to many yeah. people in the, in the social sciences as well
0: as the natural sciences. Right, and and I'm and I'm going to clarify and say that that was really knowledge. Like like he actually wrote down. Um, for the most part, things that he really observed I mean he, you know clearly he had works on theology and these kind of things but but um after his death, uh, there was some alchemical texts that were attributed to him and it's it 's hard to say that that he actually wrote that so after his death, some of these texts were attributed to him, um, but probably not a big basis in in truth and uh, These rumors i think we we kind of alluded to it on the on the introduction but Um, When I asked you, had anybody ever found the philosopher's stone, the answer was this guy. And, um, in fact, it went on so far as to say that he found the stone and passed it on to Thomas Aquinas. Probably not true. However, he did claim, and this is a first-person account, so, so he did claim to have witnessed the transmutation of something into gold. So there's interesting. In fact, he mentions a lot of things in passing that you're like, now, hold on. Let me, you know, what? Because <laughs> so, so much of it really is kind of fact-based stuff that you're, you know, it's interesting when he does mention these things. Another thing he mentioned was, um, in, in passing, like one sentence, the power in stones, or like the power in minerals, which is a very kind of New Age concept far outside the church. You know, so you're kind of meant, you're talking like power, like from, from crystals? Like, let's call yeah, exactly. Let's call it like energy in crystals. And um, so this has been latched onto by later occultist and, and you know, up to present day, and a lot of people are wondering, you know, what did he mean by that? Because it was just really like a sentence, like he just said, you know, there's there's some kind of energy in minerals, and and was this just a common belief that he regurgitated, or you know, did he did he you know why did he write that? But you know, so on the on the more scientific side, what when I when I talk about alchemy. And chemistry, what I think is interesting is he's the first, or credited to be the first, to isolate arsenic. And uh, he did this by heating soap with uh, arsenic trisulfide. Um, He experimented with photosensitive photosensitive chemicals, which is like really cool stuff if you're an alchemist. You know, you make something glow, kind
1: of. Are you you talking about uh, the the, uh, uh, things you would do when you're developing uh, film and camera? You know that type of that like type silver, of chemical,
0: silver nitrate and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess. But but see, I don't, yeah, I don't know the context, like because th- there's another alchemist that was just interested in phosphorus because it you know it could be kind of luminescent in, in some ways. It caused a chemical and, reaction
1: that would probably amaze a lot of people.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, so well, I think about gunpowder. You yeah. know, same thing with the Chinese alchemists. So anything that that had the that had the uh, ability to kind of awe or amaze people. Uh, you know, on the other hand, that, would, that could easily be mis- misconstrued as magic. So it could be a dangerous thing because, you know, hey, you're making I, I stuff glow. That, I think What's there's going a line you
1: don't cross, you know, mm-hmm. in this time. And I think he probably saw that line and said, you know what, um, I, I can keep doing my research, but I've got to be careful about my writings, and I also need to be careful about
0: what is being said about me. Well, and, and here's another thing that I think is interesting within the church is, for instance, when I grew up in Munich – this is when i first noticed it that on the side there's the the most famous church in munich like the, that huge cathedral the, the Frauenkirche. and on the side of that is a big the big zodiac sign okay you know, all the zodiac signs and to me in the 20th century i'd never made the connection between the zodiac and church and this is kind of where it comes from so he had, he did have an interest in astrology and wrote about it this was very interesting about astrology it it's one of these pseudo-sciences uh, mm-hmm. that,
1: that uh, today, if you were to talk to somebody in the church, either a Protestant or Catholic church, they would tell you that uh, it's not the right way to go, mm-hmm. uh, that, that it's
0: mysticism, it's not true faith. Which, which is why it was so surprising to find out on the side of that cathedral, right? Exactly. But... And I, Albertus Magnus, he was the front-runner. As we keep
1: saying, he's the front-runner. He's, he's the one that broke the mold mm-hmm. uh, with, with this type of science, uh, and still kept his feet still firmly in the church mm-hmm. without uh, being charged as a heretic or uh, a sorcerer. Uh, he got very close, it sounds, at times, but I, but he was able to kind of piece together that these sciences are a part of God's plan, God's will. Yeah. And so what's, what's really interesting uh, is that many people that believe in astrology today in the 21st century are probably, you know, would actually definitely
0: mm-hmm. have
1: Albertus Magnus to thank. Mm-hmm. For their their knowledge set, whether they know it
0: or not, whether yeah. they know it or not, yeah. because
1: yeah. Uh, and most of them would probably would, be, would laugh at that idea. Are you telling me someone from the Catholic Church really was the fa- the founding father of astrology? Mm-hmm. Come on, you know. But yes, that's what we're saying.
0: Yeah. And and what well, his concept? It, it, it's important to note that astrology, of course, existed. You know, like like our basic system is Greco Greco Babylonian. Yeah. However. It's, it's Albertus Magnus that kind of formalized it in the way that, that we would think of it. We, I, just, I just want to clarify that. that Listeners will say, oh, no, it's been around for thousands of years. Yes, however.
1: Yes, however. And, and I, would, I would also, if I can elaborate further on that concept, humanities always looked towards nature and celestial serestri- sure. yeah. bodies oh, yeah. as almost deities. Or not almost, but really deities. Mm-hmm. Uh, nature worship. Um, yeah. the, the Celts were famous for this. Uh, you know, they they looked into the stars and they they knew when when certain parts of the season meant certain closeness to the oh, yeah. dead. In fact, you better pay attention. You better pay attention for, for harvest. So, things, so yeah. this this stuff does go way way back, way into the Stone Age. Um, but we're talking 13th century here. And Albertus Magnus, you know, he he had an idea about incorporating God into this. He said, and his thought was that God's intent, his wishes for humanity, would eventually get to Earth from <laughs> the cel- a celestial sort of. Uh, uh, distance. Mm -hmm. But the planets, the stars, the cosmos got in the way and maybe diluted the message from God. Uh,
0: All those things revolving around the earth? Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. So when it eventually got to earth, it got a little warped. It got a little skewed. Uh So the best thing you could do with this knowledge of astrology was to say, okay, I understand the full moon's out tonight. That's going to make people act a little wild and kooky. So what I should do is I should pray even harder that I'm not that I'm not uh, tempted by temptation, yeah. and that I'm not going to succumb to maybe my base feelings or 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 my, my base feelings or or wants or desires. And so using that to defend yourself against the devil or defend yourself against what pressures you would have in this 13th century world, a form
0: of knowledge and a form of of safety and and and, yeah. and, and being content. So you can you can be prepared for that. Uh... That temptation coming up when uh, Visa, Venus is in Sagittarius, or I don't know what I just said. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm sure someone will be like, okay, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. But, but the, the thing is about astrology, we, our farming system as an agricultural species mm-hmm. comes down to some of this stuff. You know, I, I, know, I remember my, my great-grandfather would tell me, you plant things under the ground at the light of a dark moon.
0: Oh, yeah? All right? Okay. And that's, yeah.
1: that's a, probably a German you know, background to this, this, this construct of, of planting something like a potato under the ground. It's mm-hmm. going to grow better at the light of the dark moon because, you know, the science will tell you that, you know, that's just the best time of year to do it. So,
0: but, yeah. This but is, he looked th- at it as
1: the moon is powerful. But, and, but these are and
0: through observation. I uh, mean, you know. It's all all hit of this and is miss. through observation.
1: Yeah. I think Albertus Magnus said, I'm going to write down and record this observation, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make sense of it through the lens of God.
0: Yep, and uh, we will actually. I'll I'll do a, an episode on astrology because um, it ties into a lot of the. I mean, you see that it just comes up all the time um, when we talk about alchemy. That I think we haven't had an episode so far where there hasn't been an overlap. So the same people that are looking to the stars are also looking into their uh, alchemist laboratory, trying to figure out how to transmutate something. Um, so we'll 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 do a whole episode on it at some point, and and get into this. and And he is Albertus Magnus is a key figure in this, so that's why we wanted to kind of bring this up. What's interesting? So for this podcast, I like to look at people that were total quacks, um, charlatans, far outside right. the church. And um, I have some examples, even even you know some that were were here in in Prague, and others that were. Doing their best to understand what's going on, you know, answer those questions. You know, how did we get here? Uh, even if it's okay, well, well, you know, we were created, but how were we created? Or you know, why did God do it this way? Even in, in that context. Um, so some of those were kind of proto scientists, and others were just straight out for money or whatever. So it's it's nice to talk about this guy that he was really I would I would put him on the scientist side, and he influenced a lot of later people. And um, so, you know, Albertus Magnus, was he an alchemist? I'm going to say no. Um, myth debunked. But um, but other people will say, okay, they were they were an, uh, really more on the alchemist side, probably would have been burnt as a heretic in, in, in many places and many times. Um, so it's interesting to look at. There's, Albertus Magnus actually comes up in popular culture every once in a while. For instance, he was mentioned in Mary Shelley Frankenstein. He was one of Frankenstein doctors... Uh, like heroes, like, you know, the, he mentioned a couple of um, kind of uh, mystical people really? that, yeah. I missed that. And, yeah, I, I probably didn't know who he was when I read it. Um, Terry Pratchett, If I'm sure we have some fans out there. If you've ever read the, the Discworld novels, the character of Alberto Malik, who was the founder of the Unseen University and later Death's manservant, Albert, was based off of Albertus Magnus, like, you know, so he had him in mind when he created that character. Um, There's an asteroid named after him because of his contribution to, uh, I'm going to say astrology more than astronomy, but um, uh, there's also a plant species because of botany, right? So it's called Alberta Magna, is a a plant species. And if you want to hear, if you want to read more about him, I've uh, written a kind of summary of him about this and and some other little tidbits about him on historyofalchemy.com where you'll also be able to, to find other episodes of uh, History of Alchemy podcast. And by all means, uh, send us an email. We'd love to hear for, from you at podcast at historyofalchemy.com. We're on Facebook as uh, History of Alchemy podcast. And you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts there.
1: Yeah, please tune in to our uh, sister podcast, Bohemican, at Bohemican.com. Uh, All It's all about Czech history and Czech Republic and, and uh, across this great republic of Bohemia. Uh, and what I'm doing here in Prague. So we would love to have you listen to that as well. We'll be back every two weeks. I want to say thanks for listening.
0: Yep, thanks.